Welcome to NDTR Spotlight, a show where we highlight former and current NDTRs. And NDTR, if you don't know, stands for Nutritionist Diet Technician Registered. They also go by the credential DTR, which stands for Diet Technician Registered. In order to become an NDTR, you have to graduate from an accredited program, take an exam, and participate in continual education. We are recording. We are recording. Awesome. Okay. Welcome to NDTR Spotlight. I'm your host, Maria Lorraine. Today's guest has her Associate of Applied Science and is a diet technician registered. She's also an RRCA run coach and a USAT level one triathlon coach. And she's getting that, that's an in-process credential. She's working on that now. She has experience in private practice, community, clinical, and outpatient, and is the owner of Ask Me Nutrition and Fitness. So yes, she's doing a lot of things and she's super ambitious. And just to prove that, just to show that ambition, she was recently recognized as NDTR of the year for the Northeast region. And so if this sounds familiar for you, to you on our Instagram in October, we posted a video of this DTR spotlighting on her award and we got a lot of feedback and now we have the opportunity to sit down and talk with her. So this is an interview to watch. If you saw that, you're interested in the award she received or what she's doing as a private practice nutritionist and um, all of these extra credentials that she has. Let's get into this. Priscilla, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm good, thank you so much for coming and gracing us with your presence. Congratulations on your award. (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of your project. Thank you. So let's start. Why did you decide to become a diet technician registered? That is a great question. So I actually started as a nursing major, but I've been a lifelong runner. And as an adult, I started to recognize kind of the connection between what I was eating and how I was feeling when I was running or even how I just performed day to day. And so, you know, I became more interested in nutrition as it relates to performance. And so that really felt like a natural transition. Um, I got a summer job as uh, an aide at um, a rehabilitation center and it didn't quite fit the way that I thought it would. And so it was, uh, it was a natural transition because I knew that I wanted to work in the medical field in some setting and nutrition was something that I had found I was very passionate about with regards to performance. So um, I, I found my path and my passion there to study nutrition and make it a career. I love that. So what made you decide the DTR credential as opposed to the dietitian credential? In the beginning, it was supposed to be a stepping stone. Um, we have a community college here in North Texas, and it's one of the only uh, community colleges to be accredited. Um, by Ascend. And so I thought, you know, I was there doing uh, my preliminary coursework for the nursing program. They had a DTR program. I thought this will be great as a jumping off point. But the more that I got into it and started to realize where I wanted to go in my career path, the more I thought, you know, I can accomplish what I want with just a DTR credential. And so I made it my goal to, um, to make that work. And so that's what happened. That's so great. And it looks like you're broadening your scope with these extra these extra credentials that you're going into. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what those are and how you're getting them and how that's allowing you to do what you really want to do in nutrition? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, I've been a lifelong runner. It's something that I've done for health, but also for mental health. And um, 
I really wanted to work with athletes and work with fellow runners. And here recently over the last couple of years, uh, that running love has translated into triathlon. I started doing triathlon uh, short and long course uh, almost as a means of cross training, but it became just, I became just as passionate about it as I was about running. And there's so much misinformation out there when it comes to nutrition in general, but also when you talk about sports nutrition, it gets very uh, convoluted and, and, and there's a lot of information out there. So I want to be able to be that voice of reason to focusing on, especially in this world of fad diets, right? Um, there's so many things that people hear about that maybe aren't the best when you think about sports nutrition. And so I really decided to get my coaching certification so that I could broaden my horizons and reach some of those athletes. Um, some of it comes down to diversity in the sport, but a lot of it comes down to just wanting to be able to cater to my ideal client, which is someone like myself who's interested in, in sports nutrition and an athlete who is seeking to um, enhance their performance. So do you want me to go into the sports nutrition? Are the um, certifications? Yeah, yeah, let us, yeah, please, please do. Okay, so um, I have, or I've, I've just completed the Roadrunners Club of America uh, run coach certification. That was an amazing experience. Um, typically, when we do these uh, coaching certifications, they're done much like the DTR or RD exam where they're proctored exams and you have to go on campus. But um, this year it was special because of the pandemic. And so I was able to take that course from the comfort of my own home and take the test from my home, which is, uh, has always been a huge barrier in me taking the exam, finding the time to fly out to another state and lodging and all of that. So uh, I saw the opportunity. It was something that I'd been wanting to do. And so I jumped at the chance to go ahead and take those online. Uh, I have a USAT coaching a certification course that's coming up in November. I want to say the beginning of November. So I'm very excited about that. So as of today, I'm officially a run coach. Yay! Coffee <laughs> <laughs> coach asked you. <laughs> um, but in November, I will add triathlon coaching to um, my repertoire and begin working with those athletes. Wow, that's so exciting. So these, these are, they, they're kind of separate, but they're similar. The DTR, they are. You know, the fitness and then nutrition world. So how are you planning on combining those in your, in your practice? That's a great question. So as I mentioned, it kind of go back, it goes back to diversity. Um, I really want to work with athletes who have an interest in building a healthy lifestyle, building, building a balance in nutrition and both in their fitness levels, but in their mental health levels. That's something that's very important to me and something that I'm passionate about because I myself use um, my running and my triathlon as a way to manage my mental health. And so I really want to approach this in a holistic way, meaning that if I can reach my ideal nutrition client, um, not only will I be giving them information on how to eat better, but I also want to work with them to find joyful movement. And what I mean is something that they enjoy. There's so many people out there who want to live a healthy lifestyle, but they have this idea that maybe they need to do CrossFit or maybe they need to work out or lift weights or, um, and, you know, and, and while those things are important, I think it's more important for someone to find balance in finding whatever movement works for them. And uh, for me personally, it's been running in triathlon. And so that's something that I will explore with my clients, but I want to be able to be that person that they come to um, no matter what it is that they want. And I can help either write them 
plans to, for nutrition, or I can create um, beginner run programs to them, similar to Couch to 5K, and introduce them to that. Uh, because it's something that's easy. It's something that they can go. They don't need equipment for. It's not expensive. It's easily accessible. But it's a great way to get started in a health journey. Yeah, I love that you have the that focus on the mental health as well, mm-hmm. and and the accessibility of exercising because that's such a huge component for like just muscle health and just overall health. And I, it's so good that you're able to combine those two in your practice. And so specifically to that, when did you start, and how did how was the process of starting your Ask a New Ask New um, company? Yeah, so. It's interesting. It's an interesting pathway. I think my career in general is an interesting pathway in that um, I haven't taken the same pathway that most RDs or DTRs have. Uh, I started in clinical nutrition, which I absolutely loved, but I was working in both an inpatient and outpatient setting. And I found that in the outpatient setting, we had group classes. So we would do group community nutrition classes, or uh, we would host, you know, um, weight loss programs for pediatrics patients. And I really enjoyed that setting. I really enjoyed working with groups of people, but more importantly, I enjoyed working with the community. And I started to realize that, you know, hey, this is something that I can do on my own. I can take these skills, uh, these things that I've been doing in the clinical setting for, you know, over a year now, and I could build my own practice and I could reach those people that I want to talk to, more people like me um, who maybe need that information or maybe don't have access to it. And so that's kind of where Asking Nutrition and Fitness started. When I was in college, um, I was also encouraged to start a blog, which wasn't something that I had considered before, but our dietetic director was really, really encouraging and said, you know, it couldn't hurt. Uh, It'll be a great way for you to share whatever research you're doing or whatever homework assignments you're working on. So I did. I started a running blog um, called Priscilla Loves to Run. And in the beginning, it was just me sharing race reviews and um, equipment that I was interested in. Uh, But when I made the decision to work on my private practice, I knew that I could blend those two. So I rebranded Priscilla Loves to Run, just the blog, to Ask You Nutrition and Fitness, the private practice. And um, from there, I was able to begin writing meal plans, um, sharing all my fun fitness journeys, studio reviews, race reviews, but also creating that one-on-one connection with my clients where I could provide those nutrition services or create fun um, challenges for them through the holidays or whatever it is that I wanted to share. It, uh, it really made it easier for me to do those things. Wow. That's, that's great that you had that experience at a job and then were able to find out like, oh, I can do this on my own and then branch off and do that. So you have two jobs though. Is that correct? I do, yes, surprisingly. How how is managing your private practice and then what is your other position and how it's like, how is that going for you? I like to joke that I don't know what it means to not be busy. (laughs) Uh, The year that I worked in clinical nutrition, I I also had a part-time job and I worked seven days a week um, for an entire year. So when I made the decision to leave uh, clinical practice, I decided that I was going to use that time to start my private practice. And so I had to take a job, a full-time job, because obviously um, it's very difficult when you're starting a practice to get it up and running so that it's financially stable. But I also knew that it wasn't something that I wanted to do full-time. And so currently I work for the American Heart Association. 
I'm the Director of Business Development for the Heart Challenge uh, Dallas Division, uh, where we oversee the Heart Walk. Many of you are probably familiar with that. It's synonymous with the American Heart Association because it's our uh, the biggest walk in the nation, I like to say. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> so um, I knew that I wanted to work in a setting that was conducive to nutrition. So that was, you know, focused on health and nutrition and, and outcomes that were related to what I was going to be doing in, in my private practice. So that way I was surrounded by it every day. Um, and that may not have been a clinical setting anymore, but I still wanted to be involved in community nutrition. So um, having a full-time job at the American Heart Association um, allows me to, you know, make the money that I need to support myself and my family. But then I also have my private practice where I can fulfill my, my passions and what I want to do and work with my ideal clientele. And so it can get a little hairy sometimes, <laughs> especially during heart walk season when we're at our peak at the American Heart Association. Um, but I do really well to balance my time. So if I ever um, have clients that I need to meet with, that typically happens in the evenings or on the weekends. Uh, and I try to do a whole lot of programs that are self-hosted uh, so that my clients can, can do those on their own and then schedule appointments to meet with me in between. Wow, you sound like you're, you've mastered multitasking and scheduling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm overwhelmed just hearing your schedule. So before I started NDTR Spotlight, I had seen you on Diet Tech Central. I think you had a post up there and I stalked you. I cyber-stalked <laughs> you and I was so impressed that you were doing a private practice as a DTR. So I wanted to ask, were there, are there any barriers that you faced or um, blocks that you faced doing a private practice as a DTR and not as a dietitian? Yeah, there are some things that have come up that, um, uh, create barriers for me in terms of the stretch of um, or the extent of services I can offer. One of those obviously is um, scope of practice. I have to be very careful about the types of services that I offer. Um, here in Texas, uh, we are a little bit more lenient, so I can, I can do things like create meal plans for my clients, um, but I can't do uh, medical nutrition therapy. And so um, as an RD, there are some things that I would be able to do, such as billing insurance, for example, that would make it easier for me to expand my practice. But for the time being, the services that I'm offering and the types of services that I'm interested in offering fall well within my scope of practice. Um, I do have some plans in the near future. Well, I say near future, but it may be in the next year or two <laughs> to expand and hopefully bring on a registered dietitian to consult with or at least expand my referrals um, in case I have clients that are maybe at higher risk that are out of my scope of practice. Um, but primarily I try to make sure that whatever it is that I'm offering, I can, I can um, handle within my scope of practice without any issues. Um, but it's been an interesting world to navigate. There isn't a lot of information out there for DTRs in private practice. Um, almost everything that I found or any research that I had done or contacts that I made were registered dietitians. And so, in the beginning, it was confusing for me because I didn't understand what I could and couldn't do. Uh, but the more I dove in and the more I did research and the more I went back to the Academy for Information with regards to regulations, the more I realized this is definitely something I can do. I just need to maybe handle it with kid gloves <laughs> and make sure that I'm staying within my scope. Um, but it's completely doable. Yes. So you kind of touched on a little bit of of the things that you are doing in your private practice, but relating it back to this question, so what can you do? For someone who's a DTR who's thinking about doing mm -hmm. a private practice, what can they do? Or what, what do you, based on their scope of practice? 
Yeah, well, as I mentioned, um, medical nutrition therapy is, you know, hands off. I've got to make sure that I stay away from that. But if I'm working with the general public, and we're talking healthy populations, people who don't have any past medical histories or anything like that, if I'm working with the general population, I can work one-on-one -on -one to provide nutrition services to them. So for instance, um, I, like I mentioned, I'm doing a lot of sports nutrition right now, but I also work with weight loss clients, people who are interested in either losing weight or just general healthy living. Maybe they're, um, for whatever reason, they're just wanting to get in better shape or live better or live healthier. And so for those clients, I like to work with them one-on-one. -on -one. I create meal plans and I offer those both on a standard, you know, kind of one size fits all platform, um, but I also have customized uh, meal plans that I offer to them depending on what it is that they're interested in. So if I have an athlete who has a big goal, like say an Ironman or a marathon, mm -hmm. I can work with them to make sure that they're meeting their nutritional needs um, in, that, uh, in that realm. So I try to stick to those things because I know that they're safe. They're also areas of my personal interest, mm -hmm. um, but I have yet to get into anything like gut health or allergies because right now it's just not something that I feel that I need in my practice or that it's in my scope. Yeah, I think that's, that's great what you're doing. And I think that's one of the reasons why DTRs are so important because what you're doing, people can go to like a nutritionist who got a certification offline and have all this not evidence-based research or information, yeah. but they can now come to you with a, a proper credential and proper knowledge and you can actually help them reach their goals in a healthy and safe way. So I think that's great. And that's a really um, beneficial component of the DTR credential. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So how, what kind of um, continual education have you done to keep your, your certification current? Well, aside from just the general like continuing education that's required, um, I, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to sports nutrition. I, um, because I'm not an RD, obviously I can't become a certified sports RD. <laughs> um, and so any avenue that I have to learn more about the world of sports nutrition, I jump on 100%. So whether that's continuing education from the academy, so whether it's webinars or coursework, or there are some RDs who have written um, programs specifically around sports nutrition, I try to seek those out and take those courses, whatever they may be. Uh, and I really just try to learn as much as I can on an ongoing basis. Um, in addition to that, getting these other coaching certifications or licenses to do things like coach um, running. They cover a bit of nutrition in there, but it's, for the most part, it's things that we've already gone over that I learned in college, but they're great for refreshers. And so it's great when I think about how I'm going to practice nutrition in relation to whatever else it is that I'm doing, whether that's triathlon or running or weight loss, whatever it is. Um, but really just making sure that I'm continuing to, you know, read current research and stay up to date, whatever that looks like. And and continuously making sure that I have evidence, um, scientific evidence-based recommendations for my clients, uh, as opposed to Dr. Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are great resources that are ways mm -hmm. to keep up with um, information. So switching gears a little bit, we were talking a lot about your private practice, but you do have mm -hmm. a full-time job, as you mentioned before. And I know sometimes the job search can be very difficult for DTRs. So how did you yeah. go about finding this job in working with the Heart American Heart Association? Oh gosh, it was by sheer luck, but also by divine fate. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I, I had mentioned before that I have a bit of an unconventional career path, and that's mostly because when I was in college, I needed to work full time. And when you're doing a dietetic internship, it really is all consuming. You, you are at that intern site day in and day out, eight hours a day, or sometimes, you know, you've got to do coursework after that. And so I, I had to maintain a full time job. And I found a really great administrative role with a company that I was able to grow with. I started in customer service and I went all the way up to becoming the executive assistant for the CEO and the founder of the company. So when I graduated, I, I didn't want to lose sight of that. I wanted to stay with a company that I knew that was safe, but I knew that I needed to get into the field of nutrition. And so luckily, I, um, I got a, a, a job at the one of my intern sites that I was working in clinical nutrition. They hired me on full time. And um, I didn't want to quit the job that I had. <laughs> so, so I ended up working two, two jobs, two full-time jobs. And I was able to get the experience um, as an administrator in an administrative role that helped me get in at the American Heart Association. Um, in addition, when I decided to kind of make my shift and start my private practice, I was really into running and into races and into all of that stuff. And I got a part-time job, not at the same time as my two full-time jobs. After I quit one, I got a part-time job for a um, sports company called Noon Hydration, and they provide a sports drink. And they, uh, they needed people to go out to races and, and talk to um, athletes about proper hydration and, and obviously about their products. And so I got a lot, a lot of experience around event coordination and event activations when it, um, as it pertains to like a product. And so with that experience, I, I happened to just stumble upon an opening at the American Heart Association, which is an organization that has been very near and dear to my heart, at, um, you know, as I have family who's suffered strokes and heart disease and all of that, which I'm sure most of us can relate to. Um, but it was an interesting role because they needed somebody who had an, um, a background in uh, administrative support. They needed somebody who... Um, needed uh, experience in event coordination and event activation. They wanted somebody who knew a little bit about heart health or at least general nutrition or healthy living knowledge. Uh, and I had all of those things. And uh, in, in my interview, as a matter of fact, they even admitted that it was kind of an unconventional role, uh, but it just fell into my lap. And it was almost destiny that, uh, you know, I met, I checked all the boxes. And it was really an in for me to the organization and a way for me to grow and develop within the organization into the career that I have now as, as um, director of the HeartWalk. So it's very exciting. Wow, so you used like all of your, all of your opportunities <laughs> and experiences for this. That's a really nice progression to that job. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So um, you're doing a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> and, or not diversity, excuse me. Um, heart health and your private practice and fitness. So mm -hmm. I'm really curious to know what your perspective is on diversity in this realm and in your experience in your work. Yeah, that I thought so much about it. It's obviously been a hot topic this year. And I know the Academy has done a lot to address it the best they can. Um, but I, I like to approach it not necessarily from a practitioner perspective, but from a clientele perspective. And I say that for two reasons. Uh, one, because I feel like in, in my practice, I'm working with athletes, I'm working with, you know, triathletes and, and runners alike. Um, but when you look at those sports and you look at the lack of diversity in those sports, um, I can give you a good example. Running, I think in the last survey that was done, runners were 85% white and I want to say less than 5% Hispanic and African-American. 
But when you look at the surveys that are done with regard to top sports, running and jogging are top among the African-American and Hispanic community. And so triathlon is the same. Historically, it's been really difficult to get minorities and women involved in the sport of triathlon because it's, it's very difficult. It's very time consuming. You're dealing with three sports versus one and equipment for three sports versus one. So it can get very, very expensive. So for my part, from a practitioner perspective, I have tried to take a grassroots approach in helping create diversity in the sport and therefore creating diversity among my clientele in sports nutrition. Uh, so I work with a lot of nonprofits or I have in the past that aim to kind of close some of those gaps. Mm -hmm. uh, Women for Try is one of those organizations. Uh, it's a nonprofit sector of the Ironman organization and they specifically seek to increase women in the sport of triathlon by breaking down barriers around and creating support systems, providing grants to tri clubs to bring women in. Um, I recently did my uh, run coach certification and I was awarded a scholarship as a woman of color and I worked with an organization called the All Women's Run Panel. Uh, Vanessa, who started that, is an amazing human being, and she's, she's doing the same thing. She's looking to increase the amount of leadership in the, in the sport of running so that that will translate then to um, diversity in the sport. We need more leadership. We need more people of color so that, you know, little girls out there will see leaders, strong female uh, women of color, and feel like these are things that are achievable to them. So, as I mentioned, I try to take a holistic approach in my practice. It's not just about nutrition, it's about healthy living. And, and that includes becoming active and finding ways to be active, in my opinion. <laughs> I love running and triathlon. And so, um, you know, I wanna, I wanna help create diversity in those areas and therefore creating access to nutrition in that same way. And so it's, it's kind of a holistic approach for me and a grassroots effort. I think that's, that's so, that's, that makes me so happy because I know in, in minority groups, exercising can be like a, that's not for me or like swimming mm -hmm. for say black people. It's like, my hair is going to get messed up. We're like, I don't have a bike. I didn't write, grow up in a neighborhood where I could just ride, you know, if they're in a lower income area. So that is such a good cause. And that'll, I, I believe that'll like help decrease all of these, the higher rates of, um, diseases and, and there's more mm -hmm. in that population with the exercise. So I love that you're doing that. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> that's so exciting. I want to, okay. Two more questions before we close out. I wanted to ask just because of your busy schedule and your multitasking, I feel like you have really good tips on studying for the DTR exam. I don't know how long ago it was for you, but can you shine some light on how you studied and how you managed that, what you use and any tips you have for people who are about to take the test? Yes, it was a very overwhelming experience for me. <laughs> I think anytime I, I get I get test anxiety. So anytime you have somebody with test anxiety, they get really worried about things. And I studied, it's been five years now, but I studied for a long time. I remember it being months that I just felt like I wasn't prepared enough. But in our program, we had a capstone exam, which I feel like most programs probably do. It's your exit exam. And um, I think our program directors did an amazing job at preparing us both for the capstone and for the DTR exam, because we, our final assignment was to create a study guide. And it was essentially this giant three ring binder that was filled with all the information that we needed to know 
to pass the capstone exam and therefore the DTR exam. And I mean, it was, I carried this thing around in my backpack and it must have weighed 20 pounds. <laughs> it had flashcards, it had all the things I needed. And so I had that as a resource to study day in and day out along with my flashcards. But they also provided us with access to a software called Visual Veggies, um, which is essentially just a study software for RDs and DTRs to pass their exams. And it was at no cost to us. So it was a combination of having my required uh, study guide that we made in class and the access to the Visual Veggies that really made me feel like confident that I could do this. I feel confident in, in knowing that I've got all my bases covered. And it's a lot of information. It can feel really overwhelming. Um, but, you know, just making sure that I had enough time and access to these things, I think, really made me successful. Wow, you sounded like you were really prepared. Did you <laughs> pass on the first try or? I did pass on the first try. I didn't do as well as I as I'd hoped or I, you know, had forecasted, but I passed and that's all that matters. Yeah, as long as you're over that 25, I think you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, any you shared a lot of really good information and some resources. Do you want to just recircle back around there and any resources that you want to highlight now at the end of this interview for people to follow? Yeah, obviously I want to promote all of the nonprofits that I talked about. <laughs> <Please> so <laughs> I have to plug the American Heart Association if you guys are interested, if anybody's interested in getting involved in their local American Heart Association or involved with their local um, heart walk, you can visit heart.org. That's a really big one. Um, as an unnutrition entrepreneur, it was really also really difficult for me to find people and resources. And so I feel like if you're a part of the Academy in Nutrition and Dietetics and you're interested in becoming either a private practice um, RD or DTR, definitely join the Nutrition Entrepreneurs Dietetic Practice Group. You can visit scandtg.org, but it is a world of resources and knowledge. And it was primarily what helped me open my private practice and get started. Um, the other one I mentioned, I think, was Women for Try. So if you're someone who's interested in triathlon or somebody who's interested in learning about triathlon, Women for Try is a, a fantastic organization. It's a nonprofit that gives back to the community, including scholarships and grants. I would highly recommend visiting them. And then also the All Women's Run panel that I mentioned, um, who seeks to increase leadership in people of color in the run community. Uh, and I think that website is VCPM. I'll have to go back and check that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, VCPM.com. And so I absolutely love working with nonprofits, but I think it's really important as a DTR specifically to have resources and access to what we can do. I really feel like our, the possibilities for us are endless. Um, you really just have to get creative and be willing to think outside of the box. So getting involved with the academy is, um, or more specifically, getting involved with the dietetic practice group. There's a scan DPG, which is specifically for sports nutrition, cardiovascular health, and all of that. It's a great resource. There's always a lot of free handouts that I love that you can download or some that you can, you know, just use if you want to do uh, nutrition um, uh, one-on-ones and you can give it to your clients. But utilizing those dietetic practice groups as resources have been amazing for me and I would highly recommend anybody check them out. That is a good list of resources. Those are yeah. all linked <laughs> down below so you can click away at them and I'll also put some of them on our website ndtrspotlight.com and I totally forgot we have to we have to before we end this interview we have to ask about your award that you got. How was the process of being nominated and getting it and please share share that experience with us. Um, the nomination took me by surprise. So you actually don't have to be nominated. You can nominate yourself, which I think is phenomenal. 
Um, but if, if, some, if you wish to nominate someone else, you can definitely do that through, through the academy. I think each region probably has um, openings at different times uh, of the year, but I would check with your local region uh, academy branch to find out when yours is. Uh, the process itself is a little bit lengthy. Um, you do have to have letters of recommendation. I had to have one from an employer. I had to have one from, I think it was a personal referral. Um, and and it's, it's a little bit lengthy, but I feel like it's completely worth it, um, especially because, you know, we don't necessarily always know what's available to us as GTRs. There's not a whole lot of marketing out there about the credential. There's not a lot of awareness. Uh, one thing I, I really want to do is increase awareness throughout the academy and throughout our peers about what, uh, what we can do and what's offered to us. And I think awards like these help shine spotlight on DTRs who are doing it and thinking outside of the box or making successful careers that may not be necessarily conventional or even those that are conventional. There may be jobs out there for DTRs that we thought are unachievable because of the credential or maybe you know, lack of the DTR credential that we can have part in. And I think it's important for awards like these to shine light on those DTRs. That was so well said. And after learning about your award, I, I, I reached out to a couple states, not too many, um, I think five, Pennsylvania, I don't remember all of them, but all of them said they didn't have a nomination for this mm -hmm. year. So it's definitely something like you said, to allow people to know more about us and, you know, to take advantage of. So thank you for absolutely. That. And then, so anything else you want to touch on or talk about before we close out this interview? I just want to encourage all DTRs out, are all DTRs out there to get involved in their community. Um, if you're not interested in joining the Academy, that's fine, but definitely look for peers in your area to connect with. Um, DTRs and RDs alike. I feel like there has not been an RD that I've connected with that has not been willing to share their knowledge with me and their experience with me, whether it be in private practice or in, you know, whatever setting in whatever capacity. Um, I think it's really important that we all connect with each other and we utilize our knowledge collectively. And so um, one thing that I would share is the power of networking. I think it's so important for us to get out there. And this isn't something that I realized at the beginning of my career. Um, but social media is a very powerful tool. Websites like LinkedIn and Facebook have become, um, you know, really powerful areas of networking for me. And I've met some of the most amazing DTRs in those areas. Um, I have DTRs like yourself who have reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, hey, you know, I, I've never met anybody who started a private practice. What does that look like? Or, you know, I have a project coming up. Can I ask you some questions? And I just think it's I just think it's about awareness and I think networking is the beginning of that creating awareness by creating networking connections and so I would highly encourage other people to reach out even if it's a stranger and just send an email and say hey so great to meet you virtually can we chat I know I personally love to do that and I love having those conversations because you just learn so much and I can 100% attest to that because I reached out to Priscilla on LinkedIn and she responded <laughs> and I reached out to her on Instagram. I was like, I want her on the spotlight and she was so wonderful and so sweet. So that's great advice. So thank you everyone for watching this interview. Make sure to find Priscilla online. She is everywhere. She has a website, askanewnutritionandfitness.com and she's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. All of those links will be linked down in the comments below as well as the countless resources she provided in this interview. Thank you so much for watching me and we will see you in the